who's ever had anxiety here you won't get one hand up there you know what I mean who's ever had depression won't get one hand up there but when you explain to them well actually this is what it looks like you know so maybe some of you have been on road and you're selling but you don't know who this person is that's approaching you your stomach's beating you know what I mean you're getting knots in your stomach and they're going well, is that what anxiety is oh, okay so at the end when you're sort of saying well who's had a yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Carry on. I'm Neil Mags, and this is Bristol Unpacked, speaking to fascinating Bristolians on topics where others may fear to tread. Brought to you by the city's community-owned media, The Bristol Cable. It's dark, it's wet, and there's a pandemic on. It's taken its toll a bit, so listen up, particularly men and boys. This week, it's mental health. There is light at the end of the tunnel. No, it's not Boris Johnson's cavalry. It's your friends, your family and your support networks all around you. So this week, we're talking to Desmond Richards, who was formerly one of Bristol's best breakdancers, who is now working with young people in very tough circumstances to stop their heads spinning. He's a young person's mental health worker at Off The Record and Youth Moves. We have an intimate chat about his personal experience, men's mental health and how much it affects you. But just a little note, we do touch on suicide and some tough themes in this. So one in four people suffer from mental health issues in this country. One in six people have depression. Winter and you've got COVID now, isolation, people in. Do you feel this is a difficult time at the moment for, for people's mental health in general? That's right. You know, the thing is, with that sort of, sort of whole sort of COVID thing, it was the unknown, you know, yeah. and basically an anxiety is that fear of the unknown. And it was a massive unknown, wasn't it? It was. I mean, massive. you know, the, the end of the world. <laughs> Do you it know was. what I mean? It's I mean, like, it yeah. we've never been through before. The Health Foundation reported that 69% of people reported feeling extremely worried and 63% became anxious about, and this is quote, everything. Yeah. It's quite a lot of people, isn't it? That's a lot of people. About everything. Yeah, because you're worried about your children, you're worried about yourself, you're worried about maybe affecting somebody else outside of your own sort of circle, you know, whether it's, a, it's an elderly person or... It wasn't until this sort of Dominic Cummins situation happened that everybody went, oh, okay, <laughs> not as bad as that, yeah. you know what I mean? And everybody just went... Yeah. Barnard Castle for the day mm-hmm. to test his eyesight. And I think you're right, what it did do, a lot of people thought, oh... Well, if he can do it, then um, yeah, sod it, we'll do it. Politicians all yeah. sort of backed him and said, well, who wouldn't do that? You've got to think, a lot of people weren't even turning up to their kid's funeral. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, yeah. As soon as that happened, well, what father wouldn't do that? What father wouldn't? Because obviously they sort yeah. of spoke about him, you know, you know what I mean? Having children, trying to put them into a better place, you know what I mean? But there were people staying in one bedroom flat that I was working with myself, you know, I had five people in a one bedroom flat all staying in yeah, that house, yeah. speaking to me about wanting to get out and the, the anxiety of them. And it was like, yeah, I understand that. Bless them. I, I looked at a report in the um, Lancet Psychiatry magazine. They said during the first lockdown, um, there were reported higher levels at the start of lockdown. But interestingly enough, it decreased in time back to a kind of normal level. So mm-hmm. it's almost like the sense that maybe did people start to get used to it a bit? Well, this is it. You know what I mean? One of the things that we sort of talk about with sort of like maybe an anxiety is the more you sort of stick at something. So let's say you're frightened of spiders. You know what I mean? Oh, I can't touch spiders. And then you sort of, okay, well, let's have a look at a spider. 
let's take a picture of a spider. Let's say the word spider. I mean, so you sort of break it down into little elements until eventually you're starting to get used to the word spider, used to the element of spiders. Maybe you can see a little spider until eventually you can hold a big spider. Yeah, you get used to it, don't you? Or you adapt. I think one of the interesting things that has happened, and I think in COVID in general, it's kind of exposed underlying mm. social inequalities. And the University College of London did a study of 90,000 people. When we came out of lockdown in June, symptoms of, of mental health issues, anxiety, depression, they said that whilst it did fall for the majority of people, but it remained highest uh-huh. and continued to in young people, lower household incomes and urban areas. Yeah. Why is that? I think, well, poverty, especially in sort of childhood, is associated with sort of like achievement and attainment, you know. So if you've got sort of money around you, you know, you're going to have that better kind of schooling, better food, maybe internet, you know, private tuition. So if you're sort of in an urban environment, you know, I mean, you're not getting out to the, the parks, you know, you're not getting mm-hmm. those sort of walks, you know, doing that space around you. That urban areas thing was interesting for me as well. So you're kind of in an inner city environment when I guess it's a bit more crowded and you've got less kind of headspace to, to grow. That's a, it's quite a biggie. It's, yes, it, because I don't know if you can remember when like COVID 2019 and it was in China and they were sort of walking yeah. around, you know, and they had these little squirters and they were squirting everything. Literally sort of like bins, um, door handles, just walking around, squirting everything. So in the urban communities, you know what I mean? You're sort of living in block of flats. You have to touch whereby everything that you're sort of touching in order to get into your place, you know, or you want, oh man, I'll just, just. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. If you sort of think about sort of mental health in itself, you know, you're more sort of prone to having anxieties and stuff like that or mental health during your sort of adolescence. Just because of the yeah. sort of the structure of your brain, you know, the chemicals that you're... And that, and that is your kind of, that's your particular area of expertise, isn't it? Yeah, so I sort of young, work with young, young people. people. Yeah, so I've sort of done things in the past whereby I've worked with what we call personal development, which is about taking young people without a direction, you know, and sort of um, using sort of different sort of um, psychological models, and help them get to not being neat, which is not in education, employment or training. So I've now gone into the sort of field of sort of mental health because it worked for some people, but it didn't work for others. And I want to know mm-hmm. why. Why isn't it working? Now I can sort of see why one person would be so resilient to, it's like offering somebody water and they're in a desert. And your particular thing I know is working with young people that have been or caught up in antisocial behaviour. What, what most people probably would 20 years ago have said, they're just naughty kids. Yeah. There's a lot more going on, isn't there? There's a lot more going on, you know, because I'll, I'll give you an example. I was working with a young person and I was sort of doing a little bit of what we call CBT, which is cognitive behavior therapy. And as I'm sort of telling them about what it is I do, you know, they're just not interested. Not interested, you yeah. know. And whereas before, with, multi, with that, when I sort of said about personal development, that person would be like, okay, well, he's not interested. He's not ready for that drink right now. Do you know what I mean? He's not ready for that drink in the desert right now. However, mm-hmm. when I started taking on the sort of off the mental health sort of side of things, I'm realizing that actually he's not going to take that water. You know, he's not going to take that water because he doesn't see the benefit. Even though he's in the desert, he doesn't understand the benefit of why he must take that. You know, and then you've got yeah. to slowly sort of work with that individual so that when they take that water, they go, boy, that's the yummiest water I've ever had. Because <laughs> sometimes they don't realize yeah. That they're being north. We don't even know they're in a desert, do oh, they? You're in a desert, yes. You only know you're in a desert if you've been out the desert. Boom. 
exactly. That's the way. And how you work is interesting because you are somebody that is familiar with street stuff. You know, yeah. you're kind of you come from similar areas. You're an inner city boy yourself. You don't kind of look like a professional sort of psychologist. You know, the way you dress and the way you carry yourself is relatable to those young people. So you're able to build some kind of. I guess, rapport or connection, which is probably the starting point, I imagine. You're not going to be able to help anybody if they don't trust you, are you? Exactly, yes. I'm I'm in my <coughs> 40s <laughs> and I sort of, yeah, I work with young people, you know, ranging from the age of 11 up to 25. So schools, yeah, I mean, people within the community, which is what I'm doing now, I've identified that actually needs support with mental health because it is a bit of a taboo to sort of talk about your mental health, you know, because it feels like, a dirty word, yeah. you know, when really it's just like our physical health, you know, particularly for young boys. You don't know you do a lot of stuff, a lot of work with young boys, don't you? Young lads that there is this still kind of stigma. Yeah. So I've worked with young people who are at risk of going into prisons. Rather than you going into prison, you have to do these eight week course. Yeah. Part of it was mental health. Yeah. And again, it's going to be like, no, oh, what are you going to tell me? But then you're able to relay and say, well, actually, you know, who's, who's ever had anxiety here? You won't get one hand up there. You know what I mean? Who's ever had depression? You won't get one hand up there. But when you explain to them, well, actually, this is what it looks like, you know? So maybe some of you have been on road and you're selling, but you don't know who this person is that's approaching you. Your stomach's beating, you know what I mean? You're getting knots in your stomach. And they're going, well, is that what anxiety is? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So at the end, when you're sort of saying, well, who's had a, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, <laughs> carry on. And then you're able to so you frame it in a language yeah. and you frame it in a situation that they can relate to and understand. Yeah. And is that half the problem a bit with some of the mental health services that it's kind of done over a desk? It's all official. It's the language is a bit loaded. People feel a bit ashamed, uncomfortable. Does that stop people coming forward? If you sort of think about something like mental health within sort of, let's say, BAME communities. And- Most of you will know this, but B-A-M-E or BAME means black, Asian and ethnic minority. You know, BAME people are more likely to be detained under the Mental Health Act, you know? Yeah. So is it because they're... Four times more. I've got stats on that. Yeah. Four times more likely, seven times more likely to get psychosis, higher drug dependency, and suicide rates for the highest in black African and Caribbean men origins. Yeah. And the highest proportion of only access and mental health services at a critical point. Critical time. This is it. Because within the community, yeah, you're more likely to be locked up. So when you're sort of seeing crazy Uncle Jimmy down the road, you know what I mean? Everybody knows crazy Uncle Jimmy because they see him at that sort of critical time, you know? And also, when they're going in at that critical time, the people that they're seeing are already almost frightened of them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe the the passion in the voice, you know? What, may look crazy to you? <gasps> Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones, yeah. you know what I mean? Start pressing that button ready to get him sort of... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, And how much of that is mental health services not being sort of culturally... Yeah, we go. Uh, with- culturally aware or competent to understand that enough? Yeah, we've done that sort of training before with sort of like maybe even cams yeah. to sort of say, look, this is what it looks like, you know, and... They're there, you know what I mean? There's loads of people on the Zoom meeting because they've addressed, actually, there is a little bit of cultural bias in it. You know, we are a little yeah. bit hesitant and, yeah. Are you meaning to hesitation from mental health practitioners? Yes, to... because, yeah. again, we've yeah. got this sort of, this underlying sort of fear, you know, <laughs> that, that yeah. 
When you say, let me unpick that. When you say fear, you mean that, that kind of unconscious fear you said about Uncle Jimmy. They're they're unconsciously fearful of of, of black men. Yes, I'm just going to say, yeah, yeah, sort of like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Talking yeah. about the sort of yeah. the police. You know what I mean? And they were sort of speaking about how certain people can go to court. You know, whether it's the police or whatever, and say I felt threatened for my life. And if it's a black person that's in the dock, they're more likely to believe them, you know, because they've got this cultural bias. So rather than seeing this person here needs serious kind of mental health medical intervention, they're putting them into into the criminal justice system or or going down the crypt rather than the the, the health route. No, I'm sort of what I'm saying is, is. Um, there's certain sort of levels that you sort of take certain people, you know? So yeah. within the sort of black community, we're, we sort of tend to sort of, because there is a bit of a fear and a bit of a taboo and, you know, now it'd be all right, man. It was just a little sick. That's a bit of Jamaican yeah. just to say, he's all right. He'll, he'll, yeah, he'll, yeah, he'll get yeah. around it. You know what I mean? And more time, it's not until it becomes too, I mean, like the parents, yeah. the family, you can't really sort of work with this individual that it then goes into, yeah the mental health service so it's an internal cultural thing yeah so it's as, much as, there, as yeah. much as it's a lack of understanding it's, it's very interesting you say that because I, I think that there is a i, I would say a suspicion and a, a slight wariness of uh authority and institutions kind of anyway yeah uh, i think within the black community and then when you add in this layer of of mental health would you would i be would i be fair in saying that sometimes it's sort of seen as a weakness rather than something that needs to be addressed is exactly there, is there a bit of a kind of pride thing that i you know that, no 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 i'm all right i'm all right yeah so i worked for an organization called zazi off the record whereby we work traditionally with BAME young people who traditionally wouldn't access mental health so we would go into schools and um, the schools would identify that this young person's maybe suffering from a little bit of anxiety. This, but a lot of the time, I would always find that the school would identify young white girls, you know, and I'd be like, okay, okay, because they yeah. didn't understand what maybe mental health looked like in BAME young people. So it's the ones that are acting up, the ones that are answering back, the ones who are sucking their teeth. They don't want to be in school. And all of a sudden they're going, oh, yeah, we've got loads of people like that, but we put them on the boxing club. Yeah, 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 it's a, yeah, it's a, yeah. I understand, I understand. I, and talk me through how you operate because you're quite skillful at unpicking things with young people. There's a young person that's showing repeatedly, maybe antisocial, disruptive behaviour in a classroom environment. When you might start to look at some things going on that maybe a teacher kind of wouldn't pick up. I, I, just talk me through what you would do. So, so normally I sort of meet the individual first of all so it's really quite difficult there because the school have identified that maybe this person's you know his behavior is a particular way you know all of a sudden they're stepping into a room so already they've imagined who's going to be in that room (laughs) there's me baseball cap maybe a little bit of a beard (laughs) you know wearing quite urban clothes you know and i look and i go Mm -hmm. okay you know and i'll be like okay i I come yeah take a seat, you know, hi, how are you doing? Introduce myself, tell them what I do. Tell them a little bit of history about what I do. You know, I used to do a little bit of break dancing. I used to do this, not to try to say, look at me, I'm cool. You know what I mean? But just yeah. to say, look. One of the best, Des, one of the best. <laughs> I, I, I'm out on the road, yeah. I've been there, I've seen, I know what's going on, you know what I mean? So yeah. you sort of identify to me, you know, mm-hmm. there might be something going on, what's going on, you know? 
And they'll be like, well, nothing. Maybe they'll say that, you know, because that's what I normally get, nothing. School don't, they just don't understand me. Okay, well, what don't they understand? Well, you know, da, 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 da. Okay, okay, okay. It's important that you listen to a young person. Listen to them. Yeah. Understand yeah. them. Okay, right, okay. Oh, that must sound really challenging. Yeah. Okay, so how does it make you feel when that teacher goes, da, 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 oh, okay, right. Yeah, you know I mean, and then you sort of get as much information and you bleed it all out. And you validate them, you know what I mean? Because their experiences are real. And then say, okay, well, have you ever heard of the word anxiety or the word depression? No. Okay, well, because I do what we've got sort of um, sort of like paperwork that we sort of sign out, you know what I mean? That we sort of fill out. And there's 47 questions yeah. on it. And it's sometimes, never, always sort of stuff like that, you know what I mean? So you go through that piece of paper with them and they go tick, 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 tick and they go all the way through it and you, half the time you apologise because there's so many questions, you know what I mean? Like, oh. yeah. So you don't sort of say with them then and there, you know what I mean? But what you, you're aiming to do is just build a bit of a rapport with them, you know, and say, look, this I look for mental health, you know. I said, I'm not here to judge you. Sometimes there's something going on. Sometimes there's nothing going on, you know. Okay. okay. Yeah. And then the following week then, they come back, you know, okay. So I've done that piece of paper, I put it into the computer, you know, come up with a bit of an algorithm and it says that you've got a bit of this. This is what that looks like. Does that sound like you? Because, I mean, it sort of says bit more irritable. Sometimes, I mean, you've got no tolerance. Sometimes, yeah, 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 okay. You know, and then when you break down what it is that they've got, maybe a depression, and then when you're able to say, well, actually, yeah, I've got a bit of this, a bit of that, a bit of this. Ah, well, let's work on that. And sometimes it's just a simple thing. I'll give you one one example. Young boy excluded from two schools. And when I went to meet him, he was <laughs> excluded from the third school. Gives me that sort of look. <laughs> look me up and down kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? We go over all the thing yeah. and stuff like that. Just a little simple change because he was getting irritable with everybody and everybody. And he was becoming snappy. And then he wouldn't know how to stop and we just did a little change, just a little, because what we do with CBT is about the way that you think or your behavior. So something's got to change because if you're doing what you've always done, you're going to get what you always got. Do you know what I mean? So let's change yeah, yeah, one yeah. little element of that. What is it you used to enjoy? What is it that's stopping? What is it that you, you don't do anymore that you used to enjoy? And it's like riding my bike, riding your bike. Why don't you ride it anymore? Uh, can't be bothered. Okay. So we sort of spoke about, all right, well, when you get the bike down, you know what I mean? And give it a little bit of an oil. Give it a bit of an oil. <sighs> yeah, okay. Because we sort of came up with that. It wasn't just from me. It's not my job to give him ideas, you know, because I'm not the expert. They are. Took the bike yeah. down. Anyway, the following week, all right, did you take, did you oil it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went for a big ride as well, you know, and I did it, did 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 And before you know it, he's back <laughs> into school. He's back, edge, you know what I mean, getting back into the, and it was just that little tweak. Boop. As well as other things. Sometimes well, it's just sometimes a little, little yeah, just, yeah, and that can kind of set a ripple effect. Yeah, and I guess that the interesting thing is that what that might sound quite minor, what you've just explained, but had that not happened, it's where that goes further down the line. Just take a quick pause if we can. I'm here to talk about the Bristol Cable again, but as it's 2021, a new year, I am not going to sing we relieved to know just to tell you that the subject we're talking about today mental health and in particular depression is something that we have covered 
uh, extensively in a variety of different ways at the cable and it's these kind of social issues that we really care about so if you want to get on board you want to become a member you want to kind of shape what we do you want to be involved in the stories that are told about Bristol then please do join Bristol Cable and you can check out how you can do that if you go to our website check this out Right, up to 75% of mental health problems start before the age of 24. Yeah, okay. that's quite mad, yeah. you know. Yeah. The NHS yeah. in England, yeah, spent $12.2 on mental health for adults. How much do you think they spent on children? So of the $12.2 how much do you think was spent on children? Good question. Um, it's... it's Oh, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Five, five billion. Five oh, billion. you know what? You're. I would love to say you're spot on, but it's one point four billion. Shut up! Wow. Go say that again. So, how many on adults? So, twelve point two billion was spent on mental health. Twelve point two compared to one. One point four. Wow. But we know know 75% of the mental health starts before the age of 24, you know what I mean, and progresses up into adulthood. So if you start at an early age where people are become more resilient, are able to snap back and understand, well, actually, I've been through this before when I was younger. What did I do? Let me get that bike down. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've stopped doing. What's I've stopped doing? I've stopped. That's outrageous. That's outrageous. And and how much today? And and you may you probably don't know this, but you might do. But I know I don't know it, but I know it's just significant how much we spend on criminal justice system. Exactly. As I said, due to the sort of uh, mental health and stuff like that, you have conduct disorder. You know what I mean? You have all the sort of people not going into work. You have all the people who are not sort of taking that next step because they're frightened to maybe get work because of their mental health. So the the cumulative effect is massive. It's more than, you know what I mean? So dip in the ocean, you know, absolute dip in the ocean. And that and how and, and has that been challenged? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, was it Gove was sort of um, saying? Yeah, the, one of the things that he feels that he's left. I mean, that young people have been let down. But it's Tory, isn't it? You know what can I say? And, and if you look at the cost to society, across, you know, across the board, from uh, obviously you know the you know mental health issues affect people in different ways. But I know that a lot of the work that you do with the people that are on the cusp of prison have been expelled. And it's very much look as a behaviour rather than the behaviour responses to some underlying stuff going. Um, let's talk uh, one men's mental health. Male suicide, uh, three quarters of suicides in the UK are um, men. Yeah. And the highest rate is 45 to 49 year olds. Highest rate. Um, this whole thing around... I hesitate to use the word because I think it's quite judgmental, but I, I, I get, I know what people get when they say toxic masculinity. Basically, they mean, I guess, that men struggle to talk about their feelings. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know what? As I said, there, there is this sort of toxic masculinity, you know, there, there is a sense of we, we, we don't talk, you know, I'll give you an example. I've got a nephew and my nephew's probably about, I don't know, six, four. And he never he sees me, comes over and he gives me this big hug. Now I'm a big man. The only time I get hugs is from my daughter or my wife. So when I've got a big man coming over, giving yeah. me a big yeah. hug, I feel yeah. soft. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I feel yeah. like, oh, yeah. I love it. 
you know? Yeah. Because, as I said, we, we don't talk about our feelings. We don't sit around in a circle and say, well, you know what, guys? <sighs> I've had a rubbish day today, you know? I've had a really bad... Da, da, da. Yeah, I mean, we don't. We kind of just hold mm-hmm. it in and we sort of talk. Yeah, boy, you know, yeah, true tools, you know, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, yeah bravado, yeah. bravado. Well, bravado yeah. well, all you need to do is just talk, yeah. you know? Okay, so this person, let me get this right. This person said this, this, and this. Yeah. Okay. And and uh, you're right with that? You know what I mean? Okay. Well, yeah. In what way does it? I mean, it's really, I mean, it's obviously, it is really true, isn't it? And I think that if you look at, you know, I've played a lot of team sport and a lot of football. And, you know, if you demonstrated the, a remote sense of sensitivity, you just you just get slaughtered. So you kind of, you learn how to adapt to that yeah. kind of environment. You know, you get quick. I was quite quick on my feet with chucking things back at people and banter. And, you know, that is no doubt true. That is no doubt true. And that has an impact upon people feeling that they can express who they are and be open and, and, and be honest. Massively, you know, um, but in the same subtle sense, you know what I mean? We are human and it doesn't matter if you're a male or female, you know what I mean? Just have somebody listen to you, you know, because I've sort of sat in rooms with people who, what we sort of ask at the end of each sort of thing is, is there anything you want to say? I know, yeah, I mean, yeah. more time it's like, no, but I've had certain people go, you know what? Thanks for listening to me. Yeah, I just want somebody to listen to me. Yeah. Rather than, because sometimes we're really quick to offer up opinions or solutions, as I should say. You know what I mean? You know what you should do? Yeah, you should what? You should go around there and blah 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 blah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, is that what I should do? Yeah. yeah. And especially if you ain't got the right people around you, you know. Yeah, I think that says more about the person, doesn't it? It's that whole kind of wanting to fix something and do it because that the other person's uncomfortable <laughs> with that. But like you're right, it's the kind of that whole Zen thing, isn't it? If you can sit with someone. And yeah. you can just be with them when they are in that space. That's kind of quite nurturing. And then ask them to come up with their own solutions. Okay, so what would you do? Give me some silly ones, you know, where I should go around there with my friends. Okay, well, that's a bit of a, yeah. all right, that's one. Give me another one. Um, yeah. I should write a letter. There we go, there we go. That's number two. What else should we do? Talk to my head teacher. Perfect. Let's keep going. You know what I mean? Okay, so out of all of yeah. those, which ones are the best ones for you? Mm, probably what about feeling emotion? What about feeling emotion? Because I, I know people that will talk about them, them themselves and their feelings to the cows come home. <laughs> but actually, sometimes they use it as they're analysing everything, but they're not actually feeling what they should feel. I, I, I do believe that a lot of behaviours... Uh, what I would kind of call sort of avoidance behaviors that, okay. that you know, there are, we, we all yeah. have degrees of trauma. So some people will, I don't know, avoid that feeling uncomfortable, that uncomfortable yeah. feeling by how they behave, or they may do it through drinking when they get older, or yeah. they may do it through sex, or they may do it through yeah. internet or eating, whatever that is, it all comes back to this kind of one thing they're uncomfortable with because they won't sit with it. And I and yeah. I think sometimes even talking, talking and obsessing about something can also be you can also be avoidance behaviour if yeah. you aren't talking in the right way. Does that make yeah. sense? Yes, yeah, right. So I think yeah. when everyone says talk about it, talk about it, talking is brilliant, but also I think you also need to feel Yeah that feeling that you don't want to feel yeah and that's when he that's when healing starts yeah again you know what i mean it sort of stems back to that sort of spider thing that i was sort of saying you know whereby you sit in that emotion you know what i mean not yeah. too much you don't want 100 percent of it you know what i mean so what if you try to sort of because what you would normally do is you would normally yeah avoid it you know what i mean i know that if yeah i approach this person 
it makes me feel this particular way. Okay, well, let's not approach that person or that situation, you know? So it might be a shopping mall for some people. It might be work for some people, you know what I mean? And just yeah. sort of like what, what we do is we sort of like say, yeah, in order to grow, you have to step into that sort of, I mean, let's break it down into little steps, you know what I mean? From one to 10. It's kind of natural, isn't it? It's natural not to want to feel something that makes you feel not very good, <laughs> but it's counterintuitive because it's only by really doing it, as you say, yeah. sitting with that. I, silly but example, you said about the spider. I was watching Batman, the first Batman the other day. That's what he does with the bats, doesn't he? Batman begins. Yeah, yeah. It's like the one thing that he fears becomes his um, his strength. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's something about that as well. How many people do you know that work in the care field or, you know, some of the best guys I know do stuff in prisons or ex, ex-prisoners and people that have kind of, what you know, you get, what do they say when you get lemons, make lemonade? And actually it can become the very thing that is causing you the most fear and the most oh, anxiety or, or, dep- or trauma or whatever can become the thing that, makes you yeah definitely but yeah sort of stepping into sort of um sort of like the anxiety sort of um sort of situation you know allows certain people to sort of grow massively you know in the context of men's mental health which is interesting even though that the suicide rate is you know three quarters Mm. men women are still twice as likely to be diagnosed with depression yeah so clearly the women, this is a mass generalization, but it's statistically true, yeah, yeah. are obviously talking about it more and men are waiting and not talking about it, not confronting or resolving issues is surely the ultimate end of that is suicide. Yeah. And obviously sort of suicide is, is sort of like that sort of feeling that they're at the bottom of a bucket and the only way it's down, you know, it's really sort of yeah. sad. And it's, I've worked with people, unfortunately, who have ultimately sort of taken their own lives, you know, and it's, you I, have, yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. It, it's, yeah, same. Yeah. And, and it's really like, oh man. And this is sometimes, as I said, this is um, before I sort of became the mental health worker. And this is one of the reasons why I sort of went into the mental health field was because it was like, when I was working before, it was like, nah there's something i'm missing what is it you know because last time i saw that person he just bought himself a new bmx he was out on the road he was doing all these sort of things uh you know what i mean yeah and now i sort of feel a little bit more sort of and people talk a lot of nonsense don't they and always say oh it's a coward's way out it's this and that the other and actually i think that for for you know for for people that get to that stage it's just it's just a release as you said there's no way out um yeah, it, it, it's we... an illusion, though. It's an illusion, you know? It is an illusion, yeah. It's an illusion yeah. that they feel that they've only got one option left, really. Yeah. You it's know? an inability to see, isn't it, beyond, like, the bark, if you know, think about the, yeah. the bark on the tree analogy yeah. in, front of, in, front of your, in front of your face. And, it, and I guess it all comes down to the... Um, it's a, that intervention kind of work, really, as an adult, as a... This kind of stuff you do as a young person that... The earlier and the sooner you can um, confront any kind of issue in your life, uh, and you know, and try to resolve or to talk about the the better. Um, so, what can what can you say, particularly to men? What can you say to them to give them the confidence if they're struggling to 
come forward and not even going to see a psychologist or going to the doctor, even just talking to their mate in a pub, just what, what, what advice would you give them? Gosh, I would just be like, you know, just realize that they're loved, you know, you're loved. Hug somebody, you know, hug a friend. <laughs> I say, come here, Barry. Let me, I'll give you a quick hug. Ugh! Give him a big old squeeze, yeah. you know. I just want to jump in and say, obviously, for a lot of people at the moment, hugging loved ones is not permissible, which is tricky and which is tough. Just wanted to say that. Hopefully, when we're through all this stuff, we'll be back to hugging and it'd be great. Get yourself out there sort of doing doing something for somebody else sometimes, you know what I mean? Doing a little bit of volunteering work for an old labour or, you know, I don't know, yeah. just, just getting yourself wanted and realise that you are wanted you are needed you are somebody yeah and burdening yourself isn't it i, I don't i mean I, I do talk a little bit about myself but but i don't really but you know i'm i'm someone who has experienced quite the extremities of of this type of stuff i was mm. i was in a psychiatric unit sectioned at the age of 19 uh, i didn't deal with a lot of stuff that was kind of prior and you know i did reach the fork in the road where that would have been taking my own life was a um, was kind of almost like get out a kind of comfort yeah. to know actually you can do that. It became yeah. a kind of thing, and it and it, I just never did. And and came very close. And and you know, as you say, it's not until you kind of move beyond that and your kind of visions gets broader and wider that you can kind of see um, life as it truly kind of is. But one thing I do know is that when you do come out the other side of something like that, and you've experienced any mental health issue of any kind you actually do come out the other end it does start you on a bit a bit of a self-discovery journey and I do think that you start to look at things in a different way and actually it can be the actual making of you yeah in an odd kind of way massively you're like you know those um I don't well you're the same age as me but um do you remember those (laughs) those um illusions back in the day where you sort of looked at I don't know was it dots or something and people would say oh can you see what that is and you're like no and it's like it's a dog and you're like I can't see it Mm -hmm. and you'd have to stare at it for ages and ages and ages and sometimes you don't see it and then whenever you've seen it you're like oh now I see it and that's what it's yeah. like, you know what I mean? Sometimes people just don't see the illusion, you know? They just yeah. see the dots. Yeah, you're right. And I, and I think it's also the sense of, the kind of sense of not really knowing that you can get better. Yeah. Is difficult and quite isolating. Yeah. And for me, that's the one 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 thing I would I would recommend people do do. I think like, um, and it's something I, I didn't do until, until a lot later, but I, I would recommend it is that, when I started to meet people that had experienced things similar to myself, I think things around therapy groups there we go. or groups or relating to other people think, Oh, I'm not the only one going through this. Cause it's, yeah. cause you don't know, like you said, when you're in the woods and your face is right up to the bark, you think you're, you're, you're the only yeah. person in the world. You can't see it. And then you think, well, actually he did, he did, he had a breakdown. He had that. And you start to see it then, you know, it's one in four people in the country, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. This is a normal thing. This is your brain's reaction to, degrees of trauma yeah right we're on the hour Des. Uh, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to wrap up on a positive note what i do want to say according to the world health organization the 10 most countries in the world with highest rates of depression do you think the uk feature in that no 
No, they don't. No, Yay. China, India, US, USA, Brazil, Bangladesh, Russia, Indonesia, Nigeria, Pakistan, and Iran. Are we in the 10 least depressed countries? No. <laughs> no, we're not. Solomon Islands, Papua New Guinea, Timor, uh, Vanuatu, I don't even know where that is, Micronesia, Kuributa, Tonga, Samba, Laos, and Nepal. I mean, they're all lovely hot countries by the yeah, bloody beach, aren't they? It's not exactly. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. the whole thing, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's like, okay, you go to school, now chill. Look at that beautiful beach, you know? Yeah. Well, right. that goes back, and I think that's a really, really crucial final point to hit on is your environment has a big impact. Yeah, if go. you live by the beach, by the sea, by the mountains, we're not designed to live in high-rise flats, no. in, you know, cramped conditions in inner cities are we as human beings we're designed to i mean just going around nature it sounds, sounds ridiculous just going for a walk in the park like people are at the moment people yeah. are using the public spaces aren't they how much yeah. of an impact that has upon your well-being we're not designed to live on top of each other like that you know yeah <laughs> but they don't it's almost like they don't even lots of people don't really even know do they just unconsciously know they want to go somewhere that's a bit green yeah with some fresh air Whilst that isn't going to solve everything, I do think that if we did that a lot more, we would be a lot, you know, happier. <laughs> I'll give you an example. When I used to work, um, sort of working with um, sort of personal development, we used to take people to um, Penny Fan, one of the highest mountains in South Wales. And these would be young yeah. urban urban youths, you know what I mean, who don't leave Bristol, you know. So all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're yeah. leaving, they're walking up these big mountains, they're going on um, camping, you know, they're around campfires, they're playing guitars, you know what I mean? We're all singing and laughing. And as soon as they get back into Bristol, the hoods go back up. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You see yeah. it, you're yeah. like, we had you. But we that's but then there's positivity and there's optimism in that, though, isn't there? That you can see the impact that that has. Yeah. So there's a lesson for us, isn't it? The lesson is we need to respect nature and spend as much time as we can with each other in those kind of settings. I'm turning into right hippie. Turning into right hippie on this podcast. Go on. Yeah. But also, get yourself out of your comfort zone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Take yourself out of your comfort zone because all of a sudden, going up to a mountain. I don't walk mountain because when I was growing up, if somebody says, "Should we go for a walk?" That means into town. That doesn't mean up the yeah. mountain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All of a sudden, you're in green yeah. atmospheres. Do you know what I mean? The greenery. Yeah. There's lovely lakes. There's all this. I'm out of my comfort zone here. Actually, I'm enjoying yeah. myself. You know, I'm, I'm around a campfire. Actually, I don't do that kind of stuff. I'm enjoying myself. What else is out there that I haven't done before that I can enjoy? Lovely. That's a top way to end. And let's <laughs> hope, fingers crossed, it's only a matter of time before we're out of this COVID lockdown Wee. madness as well, so we can start to do a bit more of that. Um, thank you, Des. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you uh, so much for the opportunity. No, no worries, man. And it's been... Um, yeah, enlightening and interesting as I expected it would be. All the best, mate. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. Bye. So just finished with Des. He was everything I wanted him to be, actually. We wanted somebody with some real grounded lived experience and understanding of issues of mental health and environmental and social factors and influence, which he does, you know, more than many. But also the conversation was hopeful because he is he's a positive and optimistic person and he's seen real change in the young people he's worked with. And that's what I liked about it. It was, was accepting the reality 
of, of where we were and where these young people were, but also what you can do, these little tweaks and little interventions that can prevent those mental health issues you know, getting worse and carrying on into adulthood. So he's at the front line, particularly at the moment, because we're, we're all in the middle of this this shit storm really aren't we that is that's lockdown so it felt important to talk about and then i hope you got something out from it because um because i did and i even got a bit confessional at the end which is rare well, it's probably not rare i talk about myself all the time to be fair but yeah all right <laughs> take easy thanks for listening to bristol unpacked i'm neil mags and a big thanks to Rosa Eaton, our audio producer, Adam Cantwell-Corn, our executive producer, and Blue Dot for our music. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. And if you want to support what we're doing, join the Bristol Cable, along with 2,000 others, to create a new kind of media for the city. Hi, this is Rosa, the editor. I just want to jump in and do one of those kind of BBC, if you've been affected by one of the stories in this episode please call our helpline i mean the cable doesn't have a dedicated helpline yet but the samaritans does you can call them on 116123 i know for me personally i was surprised how useful it was going to see the mental health nurse at my doctor's if you're not in a great place might be a really good shout to see if your doctor has one or just go and speak to one of the general practitioners There is, like, actually stuff they can do that helps, which doesn't always feel like the case. And if you find that you're at a crisis point and you don't feel safe, like, I know the hospitals are busy at the moment, but call 999, go to A&E. There's no good saving all the COVID patients that can be saved, but losing people that could have been okay if they'd gone to see a doctor at the right point for their mental health. Thank you for listening.